The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice, This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, he ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. Let's pray. Give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts to know you, Jesus. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Who is this Jesus revealed to us on the mountaintop? And where does this story lead us as disciples of Jesus? We've been in Epiphany, a time all about the manifestation of Jesus' identity. But the transfiguration is a whole other kind of unveiling. The identity of Jesus is revealed in epic proportions, tied to the whole of God's biblical narrative with a clear message for us all, given to us directly from the mouth of God. I'm not saying that the beauty and mystery of the transfiguration is meant to be explained away 
or broken down into something simple. Oh, no. I sense that we are meant to linger there in the otherworldly glow of the face of Jesus, enveloped by the clouds and the rumble of the voice of the Almighty, overwhelming our senses. And as good Anglicans, we can revel in that mystery and we can still unpack some of the images and go deeper into this text. So in that spirit, let's hold on to the wonder and let's dig in. The transfiguration story is situated smack dab in the middle of the epicenter of Mark's gospel, a turning point for what is to come halfway between the baptism of Jesus and the resurrection. Peter, James, and John, they have gone alone with Jesus, and like so many other important moments in the Bible, they are on a mountain. And there on the mountain, Jesus is transfigured. He appears dazzling white, whiter than anything known on earth. And Jesus is conversing with Moses and Elijah. Moses, who led the Israelites out of Egypt, who spoke to God in the burning bush. And we have the great prophet Elijah who ascended into a whirlwind into heaven, as we learned in our Old Testament reading for today. And Peter, James, and John, they are terrified. Not knowing what to say, Peter needs to do something. And I am sympathetic to that instinct. I've heard a few sermons where Peter is described as a sort of buffoon. But I learned over the last couple of days from biblical scholar Sarah Heinrich that Peter is actually making a connection from the prophet Zechariah, that God would usher in a new age during the Feast of the Booths called Sukkot, a Jewish festival considered a likely time for God to usher in the beginning of the age of Shalom or the age of peace. Peter understands the magnitude of the events unfolding in front of them and offers to build a booth for each, one for Moses, one for Elijah, and one for Jesus. And just then, as fast as they appeared, Moses and Elijah, they're gone. And a cloud envelops them, and from deep in the cloud, a voice says, This is my beloved son. Listen to him. The word used from the original Greek is agapotos, meaning unique and one of a kind beloved. I like to imagine here God smiling, like we smile at our own children when they're sleeping or when they get an award. Or would they help make breakfast? Another translation of the text says, This is my only, marked by my love. This Jesus revealed to us in the transfiguration story is God's beloved son. In the baptism of Jesus in Mark's gospel, 
We know that God's words are heard by Jesus himself, but we don't know if anyone else hears. We don't know if anyone else sees the heavens part and the dove ascend. But here, here the words are in third person. Peter, James, and John most certainly hear. And what are they told to do? They are told to listen. Listen to him. And the next minute, the disciples, they're looking around, rubbing their eyes, seeing nothing but Jesus. Only Jesus stands there. And there are two points that are crystal clear. Jesus is God's only beloved son. And they are to listen to him. We see the continuation of the biblical narrative here. Moses to Elijah, to Jesus, the beloved son, the fulfillment of all the law and the prophets, and on to his disciples, Peter, James, and John, and on to that great cloud of witnesses to us. What does it mean for us to listen to him? Are we listening to him? Listen to just a few things Peter says in Mark's gospel. Jesus says, the first will be last, and the last will be first. And in the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus says, no, you give them something to eat. And just before they make their way up the mountain, Jesus says, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. At the very end of this gospel story, it says, As they were coming down the mountain, he ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. And for some reason... Verse 10 isn't included in our lectionary for this morning, but I think maybe it matters. It says this, So they kept the matter to themselves, questioning what this rising from the dead could mean. This is where we're headed as we go into the season of Lent. We're headed to the cross and to the hope of resurrection What does this rising from the dead mean? The cross and the resurrection, they're both there in this transfiguration story, preparing us for what lies ahead. The disciples, they must go down from the mountain. They must leave the mountaintop. And so must we, into Lent, following Jesus to Golgotha and just as all hope is lost, an empty tomb awaits with alleluias in the morning. Biblical scholar Matt Skinner says this, The bright light of transfiguration affirms life, a light that shines ahead into Lent to keep that season in perspective, never without hope and confidence, This light speaks a promise that God is indeed here and God is knowable, being revealed to us. 
I'm struck by the way this story reveals God's faithfulness through the prophets, made known to us through Jesus, through the ongoing work of his disciples, through Peter, James, and John, and the great cloud of witnesses, on to you and I, who are the heart and hands and voice of Jesus in this world. It's up to us to look, to look to him, to see him, the beloved one, and to listen. God said, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. Amen.